0: Hey there, this is Zach from Cornerstone Assembly in Truro, Nova Scotia. Thanks for checking out this message. If you're looking for more information about our church, check us out online at trurochurch.ca. Now to the message. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, two weeks ago, we heard about agape love. Agape love is shown by what it does and not what it feels. Because love is more than a feeling it's an intentional active choice this agape love that we're talking about this month is a selfless love that is the key to better relationships better relationships with your friends with your family with your spouse with your coworkers, and with God God desires for you to show selfless love in all of your relationships Matthew 22:37 speaks about your relationship with God. Matthew 22:39 speaks about your relationship with those around you, your family, friends, community, the people you work with, your neighbor as Jesus put it. Now Matthew 5:44 Here's one of the hardest ones. Jesus wants you to show selfless love to those who it makes no earthly sense to love. God wants you to show selfless love to your enemies. All right, now the Greek word for love in, in all those verses is a verb, an action word. You can't show this agape love without action. God desires that you show That when you show love in your life, something, something would, it's going to be something that people can see. Something's going to happen in you. Paul calls it the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faith, self-control, and goodness. And guess what? Those are all verbs too. To experience these in our lives, we actually have to act on them. The fruit of the spirit is seen in our actions. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, or sorry, wrong ones. <laughs> it does not envy. It does not boast it is not proud i've also gone i gone a little further i, I added some uh, some opposites so we can better see what love is and what love isn't so love is patient kind generous modest humble It's not bitter or angry, mean-spirited. It doesn't envy, boast. It's not proud. Once again, all these words, say it with me, they are verbs. Yeah, they're all actions. Love is more than a feeling. It is an active, intentional choice. Now listen up. This is what I want you to get. You ready? When you act in love towards others, it moves you closer to God. So this love that God calls us to to love our neighbors with, our family, our friends, our enemies, it also brings us closer to Him. God wants you to have healthy, strong relationships. I don't know anybody that doesn't want healthy, strong relationships. Do you want crappy relationships? No, (laughs) who thinks so? God is calling you to move towards that through your actions every day. If you understand this today, you will, this will enable you to have healthier relationships, more meaningful relationships in your life. Now I want to show you this in the life of Jonah. God calls Jonah, God wants to show Jonah something about himself. And he wants Jonah to be a part of what he's doing. God wants Jonah to move in love towards love, towards him. So if you guys want to open your books, open your Bibles to Jonah, we're going we're to go through the whole book. So don't worry, though, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you'll want to be there for some key verses here. So chapter one, it opens with God... Calling to Jonah, get up, go, and announce his judgment. Get up, go, announce, action. Jonah's reaction to this message? Jonah got up, and he went the opposite direction. Verse 3 says he went down. God had called him to get up, and Jonah went down to Joppa. He got on a ship to Tarshish. Now, just for some context, I want to let you know, going to Tarshish instead of Nineveh would be the equivalent of traveling from Truro all the way to Kelowna, B.C., instead of traveling to St. John's, Newfoundland. That's a big difference. So God said, get up, and Jonah went down. Jonah tries to move as far away from God as possible. So immediately after this, the text tells us that a violent storm came up on the ship. The sailors all call out to their various gods, hoping that one of them could stop the storm. And where was Jonah? He had gone down into the ship and he was sleeping the captain found him and told him to get up and pray to your god they cast lots they were trying to figure out whose fault it was who was to blame for the storm coming upon them they found it to be jonah they tried to get to the bottom of this because what had he done that made this storm come on them what what had he done? what did he do and was there a way to stop it? So Jonah told him it was his fault. He's like, hey guys, I'm running for my God. This is my fault. And he told him to throw him in the sea. I'm not talking about like in a dinghy with a life vest. I'm talking just straight up in the sea to sure death. And at first they didn't want to do it. They were hesitant because they didn't want to be responsible for his death. They're like, hey, if we throw him over the sea, that's on us. He's going to die for sure. That's on us. We can't have that happen. So they're rowing. They're rowing. They're trying to get to the shore. And they realize we can't get out of the storm. We can't do it. So they finally, they, they cry out to Jonah's God. And they're like, hey, please don't hold against us Jonah's sin or his death. They pick him up. They throw him in the sea. Storm stops. I just want to look at what the sailors do now. They they worshiped the Lord, the God of Jonah. They offered him sacrifices and vowed to serve him. Wow. So, next thing you know, Jonah is in a great fish. So moving into chapter 3, we see that after three days and three nights, Jonah prayed. Finally. He prayed a prayer of thanksgiving for being delivered from death from the sea and uh, in anticipation of being delivered from the fish as well. So God spoke to the fish, and hopefully you're not squeamish, because the the author chose his words very deliberately. The fish vomited him out onto the dry land. We like to, you know, say he spit him out, or Jonah came out, or no, the fish vomited. It's not leftovers you want to touch again. So now moving into chapter 3. Jonah has done a whole lot of moving away from God up to this point. And it's at this time that God calls out again. He speaks to Jonah a second time. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And deliver the message I have given to you. Get up. Go. Deliver. This time... Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. He went to Nineveh. Jonah moved towards God the way that God was calling him. Jonah finally got up and went and announced the warning to the Ninevites. Now as people began to hear Jonah's message, they started mourning. They repented. They turned from the things that they had been doing they prayed. They took this warning so seriously and they prayed just hoping, hoping that God would turn back his wrath and spare them. And when God saw that they had changed their ways, like legitimately had changed their ways, he turned his wrath away. And this is no small thing. The Ninevites did unimaginable, terrible things. It's not like in the, you know, the tales version where they were slapping each other with fish. No, it was no laughing matter what they were doing to other people, to each other, to themselves, to their children. And just this image of the Ninevites being so terrible, but when they actually, they stopped and they cried out to God, and they turned from their ways. Oh, what an encouraging picture of God's patience and his kindness and his grace and his mercy and his love. And he extends that to us too. Such an encouragement. And this is usually where we stop. This is where we put Jonah away. This is where all of our Bible storybooks usually end. And I mean, you know, it's the logical end. We have our our happy ending. Jonah listened to God after all. God gave him a second chance, even though he had walked the other way. He called him again. Jonah went. The message was successful. God forgave the Ninevites. Isn't that nice? Isn't that a great happily ever after ending? But it doesn't end there. There's still one more chapter to the story. So why? Why does it keep going? What's the purpose of chapter four? The way I see it, chapter four, it serves to tear off our rose-colored glasses from how we've been seeing Jonah up to this point. Chapter four actually looks at Jonah's heart What motivates his feet to get moving? And at the true direction of his heart. What Jonah was doing may have looked like love. He went to the people of Nineveh. He warned them of God's wrath. He physically did what God had told him to do. He arose, he went, he announced... Now, if acting in love towards others moves us closer to God, was Jonah acting in love towards the Ninevites? Was he moving towards God, actually? On the outside, Jonah's actions, they looked like love, but were they? I want you guys to imagine with me for a moment. And if you're a parent, or if you spent a lot of time with kids, this is going to sound real familiar, all right? Your child, your little one, They just did something to another child. That kid is ballin' in the corner, all right? Maybe they took a toy, maybe they called them a name. Either way, something needs to get done. You tell your child to go over to the other kid, say you're sorry. Your kid goes over, avoiding eye contact through gritted teeth. I'm sorry, sound familiar? I've seen this plenty. Did your child do what you asked them to do? Yeah, yeah. But uh, was that half-hearted apology really what you were going for as a parent? Is that what you wanted from them? Or were you hoping that through this action some kind of sense of love and empathy would be imparted to them? Did they actually turn away? from the envy or anger or whatever it was that they were acting in? So let's look back into Jonah. Let's see what happens next. Chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. It says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. I didn't... Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. You guys ever have one of those moments? Jonah was physically moving, but he wasn't moving in love. He was, ah, he was still filled with bitterness, pride, envy. God, he was. He knew who God was, and he didn't want that for those people. Jonah was angry that God is loving. So much so that Jonah called out, Just kill me now! I'd rather be dead than alive if they're not going to be destroyed. What was God's response? He simply asked, Is it right for you to be angry about this? So off Jonah goes, outside the city, stewing in his anger and waiting to see if just maybe God would still destroy them. Just sitting there watching, hoping that God is going to destroy this whole city, this civilization, this whole group of people and their animals and everything they own. And God, he continued to remind Jonah that he was in control. And Jonah just continued in his anger. God made a plant to grow and give Jonah shade. And then God made a worm to destroy the plant. And he sent a hot wind and let the sun, the hot, hot sun, beat down on Jonah. And Jonah, once again, wished for death. Let's read the last couple verses, starting at at verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came up quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? You know, the book of Jonah just ends on that question. We don't even know if if Jonah repented and, and turned back to God. We don't know if he just stayed angry and bitter. I love that tension, though. When we look past the first three chapters of Jonah, and we see the whole story, we see that Jonah is actually a terrible example of acting in love. He moved away from God. He moved away from love. Jonah acted in bitterness, in envy. He was mean-spirited. He was proud. He He was angry towards the Ninevites, towards God. Now God acted in patience, in kindness, in love towards the sailors towards the Ninevites, and even towards Jonah, even in his stubborn disobedience. Jonah made an active, intentional choice. He acted, but he didn't act in agape love. Jonah's actions were based on feelings. Now God made an active, intentional choice. He acted, but God acted in love. God's actions are based on his character. It's who he is. God is love. God is all of these things. Now we, we are also called to make an active, intentional choice. We are called to act. We are called to act in love towards others. And our actions also should be based on the character, the character that God is calling us to, the character that God is creating us, creating in us. Patience, kindness, generosity, modesty, humility. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Or as the New American Standard Bible translation says, Let your love be without hypocrisy. Are we really acting in love towards people? Or are our actions void of love, like Jonah's were? And I think this especially hits, you know, when we remember that God told us to love our enemies. But in Luke chapter 6, verse 32, Jesus says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. The people that show you love, easy to love. Am I right? When someone's patient with you, it's real easy to be kind to them. But we need we need to do more than that. As Christians, we need to get this right. Our love should set us apart. Our love should look different. And it should be for everyone. When we act in love towards other, we move towards God. We move towards who he is and who he's trying to mold us into. The image of Christ. The, the one that epitomizes all of these things. Hmm. But there's another perk for us when, when we act in love and when we show patience and kindness, when we're humble and modest and generous, when we, when we are all of these things, when we do all of these things, we build healthier, stronger relationships. And that should be no surprise. Almost 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote in a letter to the church uh, in a city called Colossae, he told them this, above all, clothe yourselves with love. Wear it, walk it, live it. It binds us all together together in perfect harmony. Do you want relationships full of perfect harmony? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. You know, if, if you've heard me preach, you know that I love doing like word studies into the original language and stuff and, and figuring out, okay, what's a, really a better tr- English translation of this Greek word or Hebrew word? But actually, these words are really great. <laughs> Patience, kind, envy, boast, proud. They mean what they say. This is what love is. This is what love is not. And what's God calling us to? This. The, 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 our next step point is, sounds really easy, because it's real direct. But it's the doing that's hard. I worked uh, in daycare for just about 10 years, and, and uh, when the kids are younger, they're, and they're in there full time, they're actually spending more waking hours with us than their parents, which is kind of heartbreaking, but also... Kind of a blessing because, yeah, I love them. Um, But uh, I just remember thinking, how on earth do people work in daycare without the fruits of the Spirit? (laughs) How do people parent without the Holy Spirit's help? Because patience, not so easy when you have uh, one with attachment disorder that just wants to cling on you the entire time and another little one with colic who is screaming at the top of their lungs for hours and hours and hours. Patience comes real hard. So it's straightforward, the words say it, but it's the doing that's hard. But we do gotta look at, we gotta ask ourselves, what's God calling us to? What's our next steps? Where are we sucking with this? Where, this is is our default mode, Alright? The sinful side of us, our sinful nature, default mode. Alright? So it's, it takes steps to move over here. (laughs) So, is God calling you to be more patient instead of bitter or angry? Maybe when someone cuts you off on your morning commute uh, and, uh, maybe you could take a breath instead of speaking in sign language. (laughs) Or maybe when you have a disagreement with your spouse, instead of losing your cool, you take a breath. You take a break. If he's calling you to be kind instead of mean-spirited, Maybe when your coworker is telling you the same story for the fifth time that day, you can, you know, listen instead of rolling your eyes. He's calling you to be more generous instead of envious. I don't know anybody that wants to be thought of as stingy, you know, economical, maybe, but not stingy. Nobody wants that title. But we invest in the things that we value. Do you value your church? Do you value the ministry that is done to reach your community? Consider if your giving matches your value. Is he calling you to be modest instead of boasting? Maybe you need to be okay to work hard. Even if you don't get recognized for your work. Even if you don't get that pat on the back. Maybe he's calling you to be humble instead of proud. Maybe there's a mistake that you need to own up to. You know, God called Jonah to move in love, to move towards love, towards fruit towards healthier relationships with him, with the Ninevites. And God also called the Ninevites towards him, towards love, away from selfishness and their unloving, their violent ways, towards healthy relationships with him and with other people. And God calls us to move towards it as well, to turn our backs on those other things. Because we, we can't stand here in the middle like, hey, you know when the Bible says you can't have two masters? This is, this is it. You're going this way, or you're going this way. So we have a choice to make. We can move towards others in love. Knowing that God is wanting to produce something in us even if we don't feel like it. In those moments when you're feeling impatient you're not feeling like you want to be patient. Like it, 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 it's, it's it's really that simple. Like patience isn't something that naturally occurs Unless we're constantly like moving in that direction. I, it starts to become easier, but it's kind of one of those things you have to do it over and over and over and over again before your brain starts rewiring and, and says, oh yeah, patience, that's a good thing. Never perfect, of course. But it gets better, a little bit. So we have this choice to move towards towards these things, towards love. Or we can reject them. We can go our own way. We can say, what's in it for me? Because these are a lot easier. It's a lot easier for me to be angry when I disagree with someone than to be patient and hear them out. When we act in love towards others, though, it moves us towards God, towards Being more like Jesus. I've got a a final thought for you guys. Jesus said this to his disciples. And you know what? He's saying it to us. Your love for one another your love for other people, your love for your enemy, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Church, we need to get this right. If our love is with hypocrisy, if we are hypocritical in the way we love, if we love some but don't love others or pretend to love some, What is that telling the world about our God? We we get to be pictures of the kind of love that God has for other people. We get to be a part of that. Jonah missed out on that big time. Jonah was angry with God because he was loving When I, when I was reading that verse, when I was finishing my preparations, I was just kind of going over everything, and I said what Jonah said, I said, you know, I knew you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. It hit me hard. Because maybe I've had that thought, too. God, they should get what they deserve. Why don't they get their comeuppance? Am I more like Jonah sometimes than I want to admit? We need to get this right. should be perfect harmony in our relationships because we've got access to this kind of love. We've got access to strength and power that can help us live this kind of love. We need to get this right. Don't be Jonah. Don't be satisfied with your anger and your bitterness and your pride that says, I'm good enough for God's love, but they're not. So instead, let's choose to move towards loving other people. Let's choose patience and kindness and generosity and modesty and humility. Let's have that active, intentional choice to love others And in so doing,